quick one. If you'd like to support us on our journey to a thousand, please do consider subscribing or following this podcast wherever it is you're listening to this. Thank you. So I would say as well, don't ever look to, oh, you know, that's my career. I need to make money. I need to make money. Everyone does. But if you go in it for the love first, the money will follow. It always does. Danielle Waters is an actress and an incredibly inspiring woman with a story full of grit, determination, but above all, a woman that places the importance of love above any material gain. You have to, I think, in life in general, just do what you love because you get one life. And yeah, it's good to have money, but that was never my focus ever. I think because of the way I grew up, we never focused on money. It was always about love, um, commitment to people, loyalty, morals and values and being good to the people around you. So I'm one of them people, yeah, I can take a Louis Vuitton bag, but I don't have to, I can I can take an X bag. Um, I can wear whatever, <laughs> you know, I don't have to have these things. I'm not that person. You give me a challenge, I'm going for it 100%. I, I have had this thing about me um, from very young that no one can't ever tell me that I can't do anything. Let me tell you a little story. So we had this... Whoa, 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 hold up. You want to hear that story? Okay, tune into the rest of this interview. So without further ado, this is 1000 Voices and here we have Danielle Waters. So hi, Danielle. Uh, welcome to 1000 Voices. Very, very, Hello. very, very much appreciated. How are you doing today? Hello, Kevin. <laughs> I am doing very well. The sun is shining in Ham Bay um, on a, yeah. a nice February morning. So yeah, I'm doing good. Oh, good. Thank you. How are Thank you? you for your... I'm good. I'm good. I can't complain. Sun's shining as well in oh, nice. Essex. <laughs> Yeah, but, but it's cold though. <laughs> but but, okay. but yeah, but I can't complain. Though. I'm good. I'm healthy, so that's what's important, I suppose. Exactly. Um, exactly. but yeah, like very very much appreciate you coming on to Thousand Voices today. Uh, yeah, very very much appreciated. Happy, and happy um, to be here. yeah, to yeah, that's all good. And to start off with, yeah, what I always like to do is just to take it back, you know, set a bit of a foundation so people can know a bit about you I guess and where you come from so just okay. to start off with let's go talk about your let's talk about your upbringing like where are you whereabouts were you born okay. and what was the area so, like and that sort of thing all right so um the way I behave everyone thinks I was born in the West Indies but I wasn't actually born there <laughs> I was born here I was born <laughs> in Whitechapel um in London um and when I was three months old two or three months old um, my mum and dad took me back to the Caribbean because they're both they were both born in St Lucia in the Caribbean and my dad came here when he was two and my mum came here when she was 20 to study and then they met fell in love and my dad it's kind of an English boy because he, he was here since he was two and but he was from St Lucia so they both sets of their parents and so my mum's mum and dad and my dad's mum and dad were both in St Lucia when I was born so they just took me literally as soon as I was born and went back home. I stayed there till I was about five, five, six years old. And then I came back to the UK with my parents. Um, and then throughout my childhood, it's just been literally going back and forth um, from St. Lucia um, to, to England. That's why I have so much of a 50-50 dynamic and people actually think I'm, I'm West Indian because I have a lot of my roots and my morals and my values from the Caribbean, which I, I appreciate so much from my parents. And growing up was like, we didn't have much money, but they never, 
I never saw it. I never felt like we didn't. Now I know we didn't, mm. but it was always good. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, okay, so we'd have, this is a yeah. running joke in my house. Um, what's it? Uh, we call it bully beef. Was it corn beef? Corn beef, they call it. Yeah, corn oh, beef and yeah. pasta. We'd have that all the time. And to me, I still make it now. So now my husband's always like, we don't have to eat corn beef and pasta anymore, babe. And I'm like, I love corn beef. <laughs> so I'll cook corn beef and my kids love it as well. But I never knew it was like, oh my gosh, poor people's food. Or if you didn't have money, it was just, it was a lovely gourmet meal to me when, when we were young. So that's just an example of how my parents mm. made our life so great. And we never really went without anything, but I know we didn't have as much as the other kids. But um. I pretty much had, I pretty much had a perfect childhood, and sometimes I feel a bit cringy even saying it because I know so many people have gone through so much. But my mum and dad were married before I was born. I came along about a year and a half, two years later. Um, my mum had never had even a boyfriend before my dad. It was like a first, first love. They were just like you know the kind of in love. Like I don't know if you've watched This Is Us. Have you watched it? No. Prime. It's about this no. family and the mum and dad are just like in love all the time. That was my, my parents. Um, so I, I grew mm. up seeing seeing that around me. And sometimes even people in my life now are like, oh my God, like I'll go to my mum's house and my big 30-year-old brother will lay on my lap and we'll be watching TV together. Mm. And some people may think, oh, but that's just how we grew up, hugging, kissing, loving. West Indian way, do you know what I mean? Very jovial all the time, mm. and um, and yeah, that that was that was my childhood kind of in in a nutshell. I didn't really experience any anything bad. Just a lot of love around me from a lot of extended family members, and like I said, the Saint Lucian um, kind of vibe to me really. Like, okay, for example, there's a lot of friends that I know they won't take out the bins if they see a spider or cockroach, they will run for the hills. Me, I'm like, mm. there were bats in my house, like flying around every night. There were cockroaches running oh, wow. around, not because we were dirty people, but because you're in the West Indies. There's cockroaches. My dad would run off their hen and catch it, chop off his head, and that's chicken for tonight. So that's that's how we, I grew up. So mm. I'm not scared of those kind of things, you know what I mean? Getting on my hands and knees, scrubbing the floor and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that was. That was my upbringing. So, but then I had the British side of me that I knew schooling. I knew the schooling system. I knew like the roads, should I say, um, and all of that side of me. So, mm. so I had a nice balance of both. So yeah, that's interesting to hear. You know, because you know, when I look at like, your social media, for example, on your Insta page, and I get like a sense mm. of um, a mother and a wife, someone that really has a lot of love for. Her, the people around her, like your family, you know, your close friends. And then to hear your family dynamic growing up, um, it's all, um, now it sort of puts it into perspective and in a way it sort of makes sense now looking at that. Yeah. Do you feel like that was important? Like having that strong sort of family dynamic, was that important? And what sort of impact did that have on you when you were younger it as well? It was so important. It was so important. And I'm so glad I grew up in that era, like the 80s, 90s era, because now obviously everything's changed, everything's social media, everything's, you've got to look pretty, you've got to look like this. I don't care. I don't, like, sometimes my friends or my cousins or whatever will, oh, babe, like, you post a picture like that, your hair's like that, you know, you know you ain't got no makeup. Of course I know I ain't got mm. no makeup, I took the picture, but this is how I, I woke up and this is how I am. And this is real. And for them people that are looking and always seeing these, like, literally doll-faced people, that's not reality all the time. 
and I want to show people reality this is me this is how real people are and hopefully that will help some people as well you know on their journey too you don't have to always put makeup on you don't have to look fake you don't have to look a certain way love yourself for who you are and that was a really important like message that my mum and dad like always taught me just love who you are so how I think however I was I always had that like instilled in me that you are the best you are the greatest you not to be arrogant about it but you're wonderful just how, how you are so embrace yourself you were born how you are and that's it and I understand some people don't feel as good in their skin as they maybe should and sometimes people say oh it's all right for you to say that but I don't think it's how I look I think it's my mental and how I feel do you know what I mean um so yeah that that was really important I'm so glad I had that and then like I said all the social media and everything we didn't have that I didn't have that till I was nearly 30 I'm nearly 40 now so I, I didn't get into all of that until yeah like when I was teenager phone where who had phone i didn't have a phone i didn't get a phone until i was probably about 17 mm. years old and even that one didn't have no camera no nothing it was just you know the text where you have to go to get to see a b c on the same <laughs> that was yeah, yeah. i had a pager at one time so that's the kind of like era i grew up in and i'm just happy i had that so i know the difference like i don't sometimes i don't need to look at my phone for a whole day it's fine but then younger um friends and family members they have to have all because the, they can't miss a thing Omo. And I'm just like, no, I, I want to live life and see what's going on around me, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure, that's all good. And them times there, what were your early career ambitions? So, are you talking about very young? When are you talking about um, teenager, younger than? Or when I uh, started thinking about careers? And... Did it did it change growing up? Like Never. So from, I was about five years old, I always went to act. Um, I saw like little kids programs on the TV, Saved by the Bell and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, that's what they used to play in St. Lucia actually, because it's Amer- like they have a lot of American TV. And I was just like, I want to do that. I want to do that. However, in which way I want to do that. And um, I think when I was, was it eight or nine, I started going to Anna Shares went there for a little while and then from there it just progressed I just went to all like different drama schools made my mum take me everywhere and um I joined the Rhea Young's agency I got a few jobs like little jobs when I was about 12 or 13 then and yeah it just it just progressed from there but it's always been my goal to be an actress and that was just because you know I loved it so yeah that's cool. And then, how were your were your parents or your parents like with that? Because I don't know what your parents were like. Okay. I know generally let, speaking, let, with my parents. My... Let me tell you the, oh, you um, on, yeah? the dynamics of my parents. My mum and dad are polar opposites. My mum is very, very book smart. She's a teacher. She's strict as hell. Look at me whispering that like she's still around. But she is so strict. You go into the room and you see all my friends, all my brother's friends, everyone's scared of her. She's like them proper West Indian women, like, don't play with me. Do you know what I mean? That kind of vibe. Whereas my dad is much more live your life, breathe, take in the air and and, and the sun and the moon and all that. Like, you'd walk, he's not Mm -hmm. necessarily book smart, but you'd walk down the road with him and he could tell you every single plant, everything about every single animal 
even up to now at 63 years old, his thing is he still wants to learn a new word a day. So he looks in the dictionary and learns a word and wow. the meaning of the word every day. So he's always got knowledge and gaining knowledge. And it's like he just like knows everything, but not necessarily from books, but just from his own learning, um, medicines, all of that stuff. So being in, and he's free. He, he don't listen to authority. He don't listen to anyone. He does what he feels is right. And goes with his dreams and whatever whereas my mum's very regimented and oh if the government say stick a banana up your bum she'll do it like she's literally <laughs> like that you know what I mean <laughs> so that's how opposite they are so there was um, a lot of like push and pull but they'd always compromise in the middle so my dad was like yes are you mad go for it go, yes you'll be a big star you're my daughter mm-hmm. that yes like that kind of vibe and my mum was like no like, are you what, are you out of your mind? I'm filling up the uniforms for you. You're going to this university. This is, she had my whole life panned out for me. Go in uni for what, mom? Do you even know what I want to do? You can be a dentist. You can be a doctor. You're mm. planning what I want to be. I don't want to be no dentist or doctor. I want to be an actor. Oh, oh, you're still on that. That's that was her kind of thing. You're still on that. That was like a kid's thing. I took you to acting class when you're a kid. No, this is this is going to be my career. And this is what I want to do. So we had a lot of um push and pull and arguments about that my mum was not for it at all and I always felt like she was hating on me in some way or didn't want me on tv or didn't like why why would you not push your child to do everything that they want to do but in having my own kids now I understand she just wanted me to have a career path that was set that was stable that meant that I never wanted for anything um and I understand that now but back then I didn't but my dad was all, I was like, look, he's so supportive. But that's just how he's always been. Um, so I appreciated it. But now I understand why my mum was like that. Yeah, so basically she was all against it. And my dad was all for it. She fought me the whole way. Yeah. I, and did you go to, did you study? Like, did you go to university and study again? Some more no. drama or acting or anything like that? I never went to university. I'm stubborn as hell. I was like, do you want me to go to university? I'm never going to university. So basically what happened was I went to, I, I had done a lot of acting um, from a very young age. Um, my first role actually was, I, I went to a drama school called Mojo Theatre and it was all the way in Kent. And bless my mum, she used to drive me every Sunday all the way to Kent, like two hours drive to do my little two, three hours there and come back home. So she would support me when I was younger, but she thought it was like, you know, like swimming or, dance or whatever it's just something to do whilst you're younger to have fun it's not a career path but in my head I was saying I was thinking yeah I'm, be- I'm going to be an actress so they had a day where LWT I don't know if you're old enough to remember LWT how old are you nah I'm 28 how old are you 29 <laughs> hell no I'm tw- um so <laughs> there was this there was this tv program a lot of your listeners will remember this a uh, tv channel called LWT and it's now ITV channel 3 yeah yeah so it was london weekend television so it would come on on the weekend and there were all different types of shows and there was this show called love bites on a saturday and they were going around all drama schools looking for different kids to act in it and i got picked out of my school out of everyone to be one of the people on this new show my dad came with me i remember it really clearly and i was a bit excited and i did and they went around to all like different drama schools in London, outside of London, and they came to watch us 
like doing a little acting performance and they picked me out of everyone yes we want her so I was like yes went to this you know big studios with my dad and everything it was quite overwhelming but also I was so excited and when I did my first day's filming I was just like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life I got paid my little I think it was like a hundred pounds or something for the day back then um yeah. and yeah I just I loved it I loved it and that was my first job and from there I just haven't looked back and when you oh, when you so, ask so me you, about you... drama go on go on go oh on. no no sorry go on I was going to say, when you asked me about drama school, that was my first ever role. But then I went to a lot of drama schools during my teenage years and like drama clubs and stuff like that. But what seemed to be happening, I got an agent and every time I'd go up for a role, it was like, oh, you know, she hasn't gone to a drama school. She hasn't trained. She hasn't trained. And now in 2022, that doesn't matter. If you're a good actor, you're a good actor. They hire you from what you can do. But back then it was like your credentials, what have you done before? And it was like a kind of circle that, well, I can't, ha- I need the experience to get the job, but then I can't get the experience if I haven't got the job, so what do I do? So I, I, I kept experience that through, um, through my teenage years and I'd be getting little jobs here and there, but anytime I'd go for the big things, like, okay, give you an example. There was a show on Channel 4 called Sugar Rush. You were probably in your teens when it came out, I don't know, late teens. Um, and I went up for that. And I got down to the last two people. And again, they had a meeting. It was like, well, she hasn't trained. She hasn't been to professional drama school. She hasn't this, she hasn't that. She hasn't done enough. And I was like, but I'm right for the part. Just give me a chance kind of thing. I've got it this far. You know, you obviously like me. Give me a chance. But they didn't. After that day, I just said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to have to train. So I, um, I enrolled in drama school. Um, this was after I had my son, by the way. I know we're going to get into that but I enrolled in drama school and because I had to work in the day to support my child they were the only drama school that did evening classes so they did 6 30 to 10 30 every evening so that fitted with what I needed so I'd go to work do a full day's work go straight from work to drama school every day till 10 30 and that was my life for like three years um, and that was the poor school in King's Cross and then when I had trained there I got like um, a West End agent they came to see like a it's, it's called like a, um, oh, I can't remember the name, but it's a night where everyone performs like a two minute piece. And then if they like you, they contact you and say, yeah, we'd like you on our agency. And I got a West End agent um, called Waring and McKenna back then. And yeah, from there, it just went from strength to strength. I got the bill, Gavin and Stacey. I, got, I just started like getting stuff after that. So yeah. That's it. And that's all good. But you know what? Because it sounds like you've been working pretty much full on since you was a teenager on this, which yep. is obviously very yep. tough. On this. And, and yeah. in the midst of that, well, quite young, you had your son quite young as well, whilst you're trying to work and I you're did. going to you know, drama school in the evening and trying to balance everything, which must have been mm. tough. What was that period like for you? How, how, was, how was that for you? All right. So, yeah, I had my son when I was 18. So that is now look again, I keep looking back, looking at 18 year olds now, my son himself, that baby is 21 this year. And I'm looking at him and thinking, mm-hmm. you're like two years older, three, two, three years older than I was when I had my child and you could never have a child now. So at the time I felt like I was a big woman and everything having a child, but I was still a baby. Now, when I had him, obviously I thought it would be much easier than it was. 
and it hit me boy like wow this is difficult but all through it when I got pregnant obviously the whole family everyone's in shock oh my god you know and back then as well 20 odd years ago it was such a shock for someone that's just I haven't even left school I was writing my A-level exams when I had big a big belly in front of me doing the A-level exams so I was still technically in school mm. when I was pregnant. And then by the time I had him, I was 18. Um, and it was hard in every direction. From, from family, my mum didn't talk to me for about two weeks because, again, she had this thing of, you know, my plan for life. And then I got pregnant. Um, and to tell the truth, if I'm honest with you, I know I'm not saying but I planned my child. It wasn't like, you know, people are like, oh, it was an accident. No. I wasn't on a contraception. I knew what I was doing. And I wanted a family. Just like I saw my mum and dad and our beautiful family. I wanted that. But I just wasn't going about it the right way. I wasn't an adult. I wasn't married. I wasn't in... It was a stable relationship. I'd been with the guy for about a year. His dad, Janae's dad. But it, it wasn't right at the time for me. But I thought it was. Anyway. And I thought I could do it all. Still, at nearly 40 years old, I still think I can do it. Oh, I can have a baby. I can act. I can do this. I can do that. So I had him. And then I refused to let my son be a statistic. I was like, I'm not going to be another black mother that's going to be on benefits, that is going to be on the bus with her pram. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I'm not going to be that person. Mm -hmm. So that my family, my friends, and everyone, I told you so. Look, look, she can't even afford food this week or whatever. She's asking people. No. So... I did everything in my power to make sure this child had the best life, better than any other child. He he went to Disneyland in L in not L, in LA in Orlando. He went to Saint Lucia. He went to Barbados. He travelled the whole world, and it wasn't just about what I could get him. It was about showing him culture and life. So I wanted to make sure he had a variety of life. So growing up, he saw things. So we'd go to fancy restaurants. We'd go to normal restaurants. Like I said, he traveled the world. He'd have nice clothes. He'd have everything. And before he was born, I made sure I got my driving license as well. So I was eight months pregnant, took my driving test, and I passed the first time. And I was just, I think, I don't think it was a happier day than that because I was just like, yes, like I've, I've got that. Because I just thought if I fell, then he's going to be born. I'm going to have to be try trying to do my driving test whilst he's born, which will be difficult. So I just wanted to pass before he was born. I did. I got myself a little silver Ford. And it was just, mm. it was amazing because it was, it wasn't a great car, but it was like mine. And I could drive my son around and I was independent. And that's like, that meant the world to me. I didn't have to ask anyone for anything. I could go somewhere, leave when I want, and I've got my car. Um, I had a job at the time. Uh, I was working like part-time in H&M or something whilst I was doing my acting gigs as well so I saved all that money that I was making and was able to pay for driving license get the car and everything and I think I was really responsible for an 18 year old um, at that stage in my life looking back and seeing everything I did and how I structured myself to make sure that my son had the best life I think that like, I didn't ever drink didn't smoke wasn't one of them teenagers that was always like oh out on the lashes they call it or whatever i was all about my child making sure he's safe secure and has the best that he can and working and making money that's all i was about from day dot um and i guess a lot of my friends were like oh you're missing out on life come on come out with me but to me that wasn't exciting to me yeah i'd go raving i met 
Janine's dad, my son's dad, at a club. He was an MC or whatever. So I would go out, but it wasn't like it was their life. They'd just work to go out and, and rave and get drunk. I had bigger plans. And I would sit there and try and structure, right, what's my next move with my acting career? How am I going to get this job? How am I going to meet these people? How am I going to connect with these people? What am I going to do next, you know? Um, and it was it was all about him and it was all for him. And I just wanted him to have the best life, so... And my plans hadn't changed because he was born. I was still going to be an actor. I was still going to um, do what I'm doing. And I just mm -hmm. knew that it would, it would be a little bit more hard work now than it may have been before with a child. Because even up to now, in a lot of the jobs I go to, a lot of the actors don't, they just don't, actors and actresses, they don't have kids. Because it's the type of life we live. You're away for three months here, six months there, filming in LA, filming there. It's not conducive to having children, but maybe after you've kind of you know established yourself because you can take them with you and all sorts but when you're just trying to make it it's very hard to have children and do this job yeah i can so, imagine yeah. i got a friend one of my good friends yeah he's an actor and he's mm. been more recently things have been going quite well for him but i've seen the grind like i've seen what i've seen what he's been doing and how he's been working to try and get gigs and all of that and He's, you know, been to a million auditions and then been rejected and yeah. felt like he's got this part, then been rejected last minute. He's done the thing where he's been on set. And then well, whilst you're on set, you're gassed. You're like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And then the director's like, okay, you, 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 set to the side. He's not in the shot anymore. And I've, I've seen yep. how hard he's worked and now things are working. And I feel like to succeed in that world, especially when you're on the come up as well, it takes like a certain type of, drive or character to really push through all of that and then what's 100%. interesting is that on your side you were doing that and you also had your son and you were young at the time and working yeah. as a second job at the time so you you doing a lot, just a a lot of things seven. at the same time I had about three jobs I had about I was an estate agent I was working in H&M and S. I, I at one point had my own drama school that I was running as well like I was I was a hustler I was doing everything I bought a car wash at one point was making people run the car wash and I was just taking mm -hmm. the profits. I, I had a car lot, like so many things, but I, it was just all about what can I do to bring in income to make sure that I've got enough money to give myself space to still, you know, have my acting career. Cause that, that my child and my acting career was my main priority, you know, and that, that was it. But it, it was Wait, Where did you say that drive come parents, from? Go it's just how I am. I am not like, I don't think, I, the, the, I think the most person I'm like in my family is probably my dad, but I'm not like any of my other family members. Not that they don't have drive, but both of my brothers, I've got two brothers, they're very laid back people, like completely laid back. I'm like, sometimes I get called a monkey on crack because I'm just like, constantly going, 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 going. What's next, what's next, what's, okay, I need to do, and I'm always getting stuff done. And if, I don't know where I got it from, but I just think I've had it from what, when I was born. I, I, my mum said from eight, nine months, I'm already trying to get up and walk and walk and walk. And she, Calm down. You can't, your back's not strong. No, she, I'm pulling mm -hmm. up on the sofa at eight months trying to walk. And that's just always 
how I've been. I always want to push myself to the next level. I always want to get better. I want to do, well. okay, I've done that. I've succeeded in that. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I just don't feel in life anything should be able to hold you back from that. Your kids, your, like anything that's going on, to me, there's always optimism. There's always hope. There's always a new day. There's always tomorrow. All right. I failed in that casting. Or I failed doing that um, driving test. Or this didn't work out great for me. But do you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to get up. I'm going to work harder. If I wake up at six o'clock, I'm going to wake up at five o'clock and do another hour on my script so that when it's time to film it, I'm even better than I was yesterday. So there's always hope. I feel like every day is a new opportunity um, for some, some, a new door. You just never know what will happen. So that's why... I, I, I've never given up. Downtimes, uptimes, whatever it is, I've all I'm always because if you don't if you don't give a chance for tomorrow to come and you're like, oh, it's all doom and gloom, I failed. How do you know what will happen? How do you know what you're missing tomorrow? Imagine if I gave up all these years that I, like there were years I never got caught. Okay, maybe not years, but there was a period of time where I wasn't getting castings. It it was difficult for me. I, I went for maybe 50 castings in a year, 60 castings in a year. Some of them I got called back and I'm thinking, yes, it's between me and the other girl. The other girl's always getting it. So I felt like sometimes this, you know, how many times am I going to go to castings? And it's it's the the physicality of getting to the castings, getting someone to look after my son at the time, then paying to get to the castings, going doing the castings, going away and them going, oh, yeah, I want to see you again. So you've got to do it all over again. Mum can look after Jay, Dad auntie this one that one to go back again and maybe do that three or four times for them to just go no sorry we pick someone else and you don't get it's not like you get paid for any of these so I've just lost maybe 60 70 quid on travel um maybe more than that also either I'm paying a babysitter or getting family members to, and still didn't get the job even though and that happened time and time again but if I gave up then chewing gum wouldn't come would it because I wouldn't have been there to take it to get the role so there's always something better around the corner and you you can't give up because you know someone in I went to LA for a period of time in my career when my son was still quite young he's eight and I said I've got to try and make it in America I had no plan I just went uh, I'd saved up about 10,000 pounds of my own money through acting jobs here and I just went and I went for three months and I had an agent out there and he said, you can never give up because it's the same thing what I was telling you. If you, there's people giving up on acting every day and it just gives you a better chance. If you're the one that give, you're just, uh, you know, one that went to the side, you have to keep on and on and on because you never know to, what tomorrow is going to bring, what casting will come tomorrow that will be perfect for you. And if you're not there to go for it or to take it, then you'll never get it, will you? So just keep going. And that's, that's what, I always do, no matter how low I get, how down I get, I'm always going to keep going. That's it. I love that. Never give up. It's true. You don't, you never literally know what's around the corner and people giving up every single day. So, and yeah. you can apply that to like any area of life as well, outside of acting, whether it's career, no business or professional career or whatever, whoever's dreams and aspirations are. But you have real. to be strong. A lot, a lot you people have to up. have a backbone because telling is hard you know it's hard I've had some hard times where my son says he remembers when I when I was much younger in my 20s and he was like hearing me cry sometimes 
when I got so far in a row and just didn't get the role and I'd be in my bedroom crying because it means so much to me and he would think he said he would think is it because of me because I'm holding her back because all these other people don't have kids and she has to provide for me so she has to have all these other jobs to provide for me so she can't put 100% in her acting I was like Jay you thought that at eight and he was like yeah mum because I wanted you to be happy and I thought it's because she had a child young because she had me she can't live her dream and it's me keeping me back and I was like oh my god he never vocalised that to me when he was younger but now as an adult that's how he was feeling but there were deep deep times but the thing with me is I can't see myself doing anything else I can't see myself being anything else so you know what else am I going to do this is what I love this is what I, I have to have in my life if I do something else I'll be unhappy and I can get another job doing something different maybe run the business I'm, I might do in the future but I will never stop acting I'll always have my side hustles but I will even if it's doing um a cameo in the Herne Bay theatre down the road whatever it is it's acting if it's acting mm. I'm doing it you know and you have to I think in life in general just do what you love because you get one life and yeah it's good to have money but that was never my focus ever I think because of the way I grew up we never focused on money it was always about love um, commitment to people loyalty morals and values and being good to the people around you so I'm one of them people, yeah, I can take a Louis Vuitton bag, but I don't have to. I can I can take an X bag. Um, I, I can wear whatever. <laughs> you know, I don't have to have these things. You know, I can drive a Range Rover. I can drive a Ford. As long as the car gets me from A to B, I don't care. So that frees my mind to be um, open to whatever. I don't, I, I don't live for money. If it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. As long as I can eat. I can always eat because I can always get some type of job or whatever my focus is being happy and acting makes me happy and I would say to everyone focus on what makes you happy I met a guy the other day that gifted um gifted a painting to my husband and he came here and he was telling us his story that he was a banker and he was making lots of money and everything but his soul was not happy and he was getting so mentally ill it was like mm -hmm. he felt like he he didn't want to be here anymore like it was really getting him down. So he gave it all up, quit his job, everything, and just started painting, doing what he loved. And now he's selling paintings and pictures to people for thousands and thousands of pounds, celebrities and everything. So, and he's doing what he loves. And it was never about the money when he started. He was like, I just need to get out of that life because it wasn't making me happy and do what's making me happy. So I would say as well, don't ever look to, oh, you know, that's my career. I need to make money. I need to make money. Everyone does. But if you go in it for the love first, the money will follow. It always does. That's it, for sure, for sure. In your acting career, what would you say was your first big break and how did you, how did that come about? My first big break? Mm. Mm. So I, I, don't, I don't know about big break because I've had loads of different, parts but I, th I think my big my biggest job to date is chewing gum that that is the the biggest job I've done um how it came about so my agent said that there's a reading um to do uh there's this new writer and she's written something and basically a reading is where it's a rehearsed reading so you go in they hire actors that kind of fit the part of what they're looking for but 
let me just make this very clear. It's never, it never ends up being mm. those readers that get the part in them. It's literally just reading it for Channel 4 to see or what, whoever Netflix or whoever they come in, they hear us reading the script and then they say, yes, I want to go further with this and maybe pay for, you know, a pilot or pay for first script or something. Or no, I didn't like it. So <laughs> I read for Candice um, and they liked it. Channel 4 liked it they said they want to put some money into a pilot so we did I think it was like a two or three minute it was called a blap so it was like a, just a tiny snippet of what chewing gum would be like they want to put that to see the feedback they'd get from people to then see if they should actually make it into a show once we put out the blap oh my god everyone loved it commented on it we love it we want to see it more I was actually pregnant with my daughter then so I was my second child when I did mm. that blap but she wasn't pregnant the character uh, I feel like I'm, I'm always pregnant, but yeah, I was pregnant, and they they <laughs> they got no because the second series of chewing gum. You probably don't know this. Probably a lot of you that's listening don't know this, but I was pregnant with my third son, my third child, my second son, my third child, and they did not want to make the character pregnant because we were like, just make her pregnant, make Candy's pregnant, so it's just easier for filming for everything. Nope, they didn't. So the character was not pregnant. But I was pregnant, like eight months, so very heavily pregnant. So I had to be wow. doing things that Candice was doing as a 20-odd-year-old lady that wasn't pregnant as a 30-odd-year-old woman that is. So that was difficult to film because there was like sex scenes where I'm having to sit on this guy and pretend I'm having sex with him and I've got this big belly in front of him, but we can't film the belly because she ain't pregnant, jumping over things. All sorts mm. of health and safety, crazy. No, I'm joking. But but it was <laughs> it, it was difficult for me. Anyway, look. So people probably didn't know that because we hid it with pillows and they'd film me up here and stuff. But I was pregnant in the second series. But back to the blaps. We did the blap. Received it so well. Channel Four said yes, we're going to go with it. Now, out of the whole cast that read. They only, the people that actually ended up getting the parts of the people were me as Candice and Maggie Steed as my grandma, the lady that play, played my grandma. She did the reading as well. But everyone else, they had recast. So, and I tell you what, I fought for that damn part, man. I think that was one of the longest auditions I've ever had bar Misfits. Do you remember Misfits? the first ever season of Misfits, yeah, I yeah. went to about seven auditions. They started paying me to go to auditions because after the third time I said, look, I, I, you know, what's going on? They still went with someone else, but that was a long audition. But chewing gum was so long and it got to a point, I think I went to three, three or four. And every time I went, there was other girls going for Candice, going for Candice. And I was like, why do they keep calling me back? It's as they want me or they don't. So after the fourth audition, my agent mm. called them and said, look, you've seen enough now. She's done enough. She's done everything you want her to do. Do you want her or not? It was the same kind of thing. Oh, they want a name to push the program, like a, a named actress. And bless Michaela, she was like, no, no, no. It's not about a name actress or not a name actress. Danielle is Candice. That is the character. She can play it the best out of everyone. So I want her. And she really pushed for me. Mm. And I got the call and I got the job. So that's how that came about. But it wasn't easy. I fought, I fought mm. for that. I was going home every night, learning the lines again, doing it in different ways. And I was like, whatever way they asked me to do it, I can do it. Angry, sad, 
anxious, anything that I was ready and I was prepared. So, um, and I loved the character. She was lively, she was fun. She was like everything that I would love to play. So um, yeah, I'm glad I got it. That's it. You know, when you got into acting, well, you've been doing it pretty much your whole life, <laughs> acting. Uh, you, about 25 Were you ever years. aware? Yeah. yeah. Would you, did you ever, was you, did you ever, was you ever aware that it's sort of a, what would you even call it? Like a, a riskier profession to get into than maybe like a typical, inverted commas, typical nine to five. And definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But Tevin, I told you, I don't, I, I'm not that person. You give me a challenge, I'm going for it a hundred percent. I, I have had this thing about me um, from very young that no one can't ever tell me that I can't do anything. Let me tell you a little story. So we had this career advice, career services in school. I don't know if you guys still have that or still had that in school. But there was this class that you'd have one hour a week where they'd discuss what you want to do, what you have to do, and you need to access that kind of career, this and that. Every class, I'm going to be an actress. I'm going to be an award-winning, multi-talented actress I'm going to be in Hollywood and my teacher was bit Danielle come on please let's just be serious about this and let's be a bit more realistic I said that is my reality I'm going to be an actress I don't need this class because I ain't going to be a doctor dentist teacher this that it's all good for all of you lot but I am going to be a household name that's what I'm going to be and I just had that belief in me not that I am I know (laughs) but at 14 (laughs) I was like you know and obviously everyone thought my head is in the clouds and whatever, but I had a plan and I knew what I wanted and I didn't want anything else. So even though I was aware that, you know what, it is risky, you might not make any money from it. You might not get jobs for years. It's what I wanted to do. And what Daniel wants is what Daniel gets. So I was just like, I'm going to go for it and mm. put all my heart and soul in it. And yeah, that's it. So I was aware of the risks, but I didn't care about the risks because you have one life. And you've got to go for your dreams in this one life. And or you, you'll be an old person and you will really regret it. You'll, and that's the worst thing. More than trying and failing, there is regret. And I have, you know, family members, aunts, uncles and stuff that are in their 60s now. And there's a lot of regret of what they could do, the opportunities they had in this country coming from the West Indies. And not taking them and just kind of wasting their life where drinking and lay laying around their friends and this and that. And they had dreams, but they just never pursued it to fulfill it. And you can't fulfill a dream if you don't put in hard work and you push for it. So, yeah, I, 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 I was aware of the risk, but I was also determined that I was going to make this my career. Optimism, Tevin. Yeah, Optimism. Cool. You sound very optimistic, so that's real good. Uh, when you get roles yeah um when you get roles how do you approach roles that you get most of the time what happens is the agent sends you something called sides and it's just like snippets of what they want you to perform for them but it's good when they send you the whole script because then if you have time you can read the whole script and get a sense of the whole world of the person. So not just what they're saying in that one page or two pages, but what happened just before that? What's happening after that? What is their relationship with their sister who's in the scene with them? Do they like them? Do they hate them? Have they cheated on them with their husband? What is the relationship and what's the world? That's the first thing I look at. And then after that, I read the sides again and again and again and again and try and learn it as best as possible. 
and then um, just make lots of notes on the lines, what she's saying, how she's feeling at that time. Um, again, the world, I do like a spider diagram with the name of the show most of the time, because the name of the show tells you a lot. And then do like all little lines coming out of it and say like what I feel about the show, what I think the show's about, what that word represents in me. And then I look at it all, take it all in and just go through the lines. And I have an acting coach as well. And I call him a lot and we go through it and we talk about it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my kind of process. And then I film it. And if I don't like it, I film it again and again and again. Sometimes I do like 50 takes on one scene until I'm happy mm -hmm. with it. And because um, that's the most important thing, if you're happy with it, because when you send off tapes, sometimes well, a lot of the time you don't sometimes you don't even get any feedback. You don't even get, yeah, I liked it, but this or you just hear silence. But as long as you were happy with what you sent, then that's that's all that I did my best. But if I send something that I know wasn't that great and I don't get the job, then it's just like, well, Dan, you kind of didn't even try. So, yeah, that's my process. Yeah, cool. And what would you say has been the most challenging role that you've done to date so far? Mm. Okay, so back in 2018, I did um, a theatre production called Shabin. And it was about West Indians coming from, like the, the Windrush generation basically, coming from the Caribbean islands and how they were treated in this country. And I did, I think it was 10 weeks, six weeks in Nottingham, four weeks in London. And that I think was probably the most challenging role. The character's name was Gail and she was from Jamaica and she'd come here and all she wanted to do was work hard, kind of like me, just work hard, make money, maybe send for her family or whatever. And all she was faced with all the time was Okay, so she'd work, she was working for a factory. Because she worked harder than everyone else, she was getting reprimanded for it because she was doing things too quickly. She was a, a seamstress and she was making the dresses too quickly. Why should you get reprimanded for that? But the other people, the white girls in there, were like, no, she, you know, she's, she's, too, she's going too fast for us or whatever. So then the, the people that own the factory was like, no, no, you're, you're going too fast. And she, she got fired. She got fired for being the best because the black girl couldn't be better than anyone else, could she? So, and then it, it the story was just about her and other people and their different journeys from the West Indies and how they were perceived in England, all the racism, how people treated them. And that was challenging because I just wanted to make sure that I got it right and it was authentic. I also had a Jamaican accent. And even though I'm from St. Lucia, which is in the Caribbean, it's a very different accent there to Jamaican. So we got... Um, uh, accent coach and everything and was working hard on that but I I didn't want to sound like a fake Jamaican so that it was challenging because mm. I wanted to get it so right you know what I mean and in the end yeah I, I did quite a good job some people actually thought my family were from Jamaica um, but also the um, the message that it sent and the to keep working hard and keep trying and even though these people are pressing you you've always got to look up and um, it's a better day tomorrow and I'm going to try better tomorrow you know these people can't get me down and I just wanted to to make sure yeah to just make sure that I've got it right so everyone's happy happy with my performance and happy with the show so that was probably the most challenging show and a lot of fun as well that's it sick all right so I want to ask a few reflective type questions yeah 
So your looking back on your career so questions. far. Okay, Tevin. So let's 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 reflect. <laughs> looking back here yeah, at your <laughs> career so far, what would you say your what are you most proud of? What's your proudest achievement, either professionally or even personally? Mm. Okay, so I can give you both. I think my proudest achievement is chewing gum because, it, like I said, it's the most prominent role I've played. Uh, it went two seasons and I was just happy that after all those years of hard work, I finally got a show that I was actually part of because a lot of the time before that, I was always part of a show, but it was a guest lead or, you know, a day, a day film in here, a week film in here, two weeks film in there, but it was never like my show. And even though it wasn't my personal show, it was like my baby kind of thing. I was playing um, Tracy's best friend and it was our journey. Um, so I was really proud of that. And I was like, look, my son was, I think, he was about 15 at the time when I was filming. I was like, look, he's all grown. And I'm finally reaping the benefits and the rewards of, of all this, these years of hard work. So, yeah, that, that was my proudest um, professional achievement. And I think personally, it, it has to be my three kids. It just has to be my kids. Because um, they're all amazing in different ways. Um, I can't believe I actually gave birth to children and raised human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of them's one of them's an adult now, and he's doing really, really, really well. Um, so I'm I'm very proud of him because, as you know, as a young black boy, you can go many ways, and he's chosen a, a really good path. You know, he's an influencer. He's got like two million followers on his TikTok at the moment, so he's making generating money from adverts and everything for himself and making his own income stream, not having to ask mummy, 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 like you know some teenagers or, or early twenties mm-hmm. do. And he's he's kind of his own man doing his own thing, and I'm just I'm really proud of him and where his head's at as well. And then my two little ones, yeah, and all my children, because I have stepchildren as well, um, and they have all made me very proud too. <laughs> They're so beautiful and loving, and like just my family. That that is that that's what I'm most proud of personally. So yeah, that's cool. What advice would you give to other aspiring actors or people early on in their careers? Okay, advice. I feel like a big weight on my shoulder now. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I'd just say what, what we've kind of said, just you have to just persevere because it's not an easy career. It's not like a career where you can say, okay, I'm going to do five years in, in university and when I come out of it, I'm going to have these qualifications and I can be this or I can do that. It, it's, it's so unknown there's no there's no special skill or or scientific like if I do that that and that this will work there's people that have been become amazing actors they've never gone to drama school and there's others that have trained for three years in one drama school three years in another and they've kind of made it everyone's path is different everyone's path is unique in this acting game and you have to just kind of concentrate and follow your own path be your own competition. No one else is your competition. Don't watch what other people are doing. Just do you. And, and every day, make yourself better than the day before. Sometimes just 
pick, pick up a book or pick up a script and just learn the script and perform it to yourself in the mirror or record it and look back, critique yourself. Okay, this wasn't very good. That wasn't, do it again, make it better. Work on your craft every single day. Even if it's 10 minutes, just reading something or even just watching a movie. Oh, I liked his acting in this. Oh, he was really good. She was really good. Everything you do, make kind of like revolve it around the acting and don't give up because you'll get so many knockbacks trust me it's not it's not an easy pathway it's just like oh yeah you know like everyone thought after chewing gum you've made it now that's it you're just going to get loads of work it hasn't been like that I had two kids under three years old when I finished chewing gum I'd had my first one I always say my first one my second but the little one when I in my and the black and then two years later, a year and a half later, I had the little boy. So I had two kids under three. And I had to give up about a year of my time just to, like, make sure they're all right. They're, they're really tiny. Do you know what I mean? Um, and mm. I went back into it. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It took me a while to get, like, a role. And then I got the, the Shabin thing after my son was born. It was hard being away from him. But it's just my point mm. is that it's not easy you don't just go and maybe if you do 10 castings get one you might do 50 and you might not even get feedback you've just got to continue doing them mm. and don't don't see it as a oh my god oh, I've got another take that I might not get see it as another opportunity that today three more people that didn't know me before are going to know me and I'm going to do this tape to the best of my ability so that even though I don't get this one they'll remember me for next time and everything you do, do it 100%. Never, ever. I always told my son this when he was growing up. Never do anything 50%. Even if it is working in MS or H&M or Next or whatever, whatever you do, give it 100%. Because then you'll take that through your whole life and your whole career with everything you do. Um, so, yeah. So, my, my advice is just keep working hard. Keep persevering. And just don't give up. That's it. That's it. And last question, before we go into some quick fire questions, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, gosh. It's a deep one, Tevin. Um, <laughs> I, just want, I just want people to remember me for a funny, um, jovial, outgoing person that always took life by the horns and just really, really went for it. Um, I want I want my kids to always tell stories about how happy I made them, how funny I was, and and just I think the optimism again. I know I keep using this word, but I want my legacy to be that she really lived life. She did not stop. Like she did so many things um, during her life, and she really she really made the most of the time that she had here. That's that that is the legacy I want to live. Believe sorry. Cool. That's it. That's it. That, that's cool. Perfect. Thank you so much. Really, Go on, very then, interesting. With your quick fire your questions. story. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Let's move into some quick fire. So, let me get them up here. Uh, all right, here they are. So, okay. we'll do twenty seconds per question. I think the first few questions are a bit easier, and then they get a bit okay. deeper. But just whatever comes to your head first. Uh, <laughs> we'll all right. Well, I, I'll, I'll be as quick as I can. Go on. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. First question. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie uh, between Fruitville with Michael B. Jordan and um, 
Life of Pi. Life of Pi is an amazing movie. Like one of the best I've ever seen. Cool. All right. I'll check them out. All right. Second question. What's your favorite book? Uh, without a doubt, A Piece of Cake by Cupcake Brown. You have to read that book. It's about this um, this girl that grows up and she she gets into prostitution at like eleven years old or something, and like what she had to go through mm-hmm. through that period of time in her like teen teenager years. Uh, it's just an unbelievable story, and it's a true story as well. So, I'd recommend that book. All right, perfect. All right, third question: What's a song that you can never get bored of? Mm has to be Pump Me Up, yeah, by Crossfire. It's a Bayesian um, group. And it's like, yes, you know I'm addicted. Hey. It's like, it's a soca <laughs> tune. And I cannot <laughs> get enough of that song. My daughter's always like, mommy, again. I'm like, yep, and again and again and again. That's it. I feel like I've heard that song of Carnival before. Maybe I'm wrong. hundred percent. Look out. Pump me up. Cool. All right. Next question. If you can only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would you pick? Oh, my God. It just has to be any type of chocolate. Any type of chocolate. Just chocolate. I'm obsessed with chocolate. Cool. <laughs> Good choice. Or corned beef and pasta. Next question. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can't forget the corned yeah. beef and pasta. <laughs> yeah. How do you start your day? Okay, so most days, I get up, have a shower, meditate for about half an hour. And then it's just straight into kids, get up, making breakfast for the kids, getting them ready for their day and dropping them to school and stuff. That's, that's mostly my days. Saturdays and Sundays, I get up, still get up early because you know your body's in this body clock. I still get up quite early, maybe about seven. And then, but don't, I'm not so, let's do this, let's do that. I give myself a break and we just kind of chill and make pancakes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Perfect. All right, next one. Name three people that inspire you. Okay. My mother, first and foremost. Um, She's going through cancer at the moment and it's really, really difficult for her. But she never complains and she's just so strong. So she inspires me 100%. Um, my son inspires me because, like I was just saying, I look at him and I think, for a 20-year-old, you're, you've got your head really screwed on. Um, so he inspires me to do better every day because he's doing better every day. And this is a... I know you might laugh at this one, but Jennifer Lopez, she's such a big inspiration to me mm-hmm. just because she, she does it all. She's a singer, she's an actress, she's a mum. And again, she, you can just see she puts 100% into everything she does. And it's always, it's always great. It's always, um, she's never flopped. All her movies, all her songs, everything. Even though some people might not see it as the best music, it's still not, it's still made money and it's still been a success. So yeah, uh, her. Perfect. Uh, what's the best advice that you've ever received? probably about my career and probably from my husband um he said to me what other people think about you is not your business because there's a period of time it was like oh well this one might not like what I do that one might not like 
and he, you can't keep pleasing everyone else. What you need to do is just put your head down like you're swimming to the end of, of the lane when you're, you're in a swimming pool and don't look at anything else. Just hold your breath, put your head down and swim to the end of the lane. When you get to the end, you'll look up and you'll be like, wow. Basically, put your head down, do the hard work. And once you, you look up, you'll see all, all, all the fruits of your labor. That was the best advice. That's it. That's real good. Mm. All right. Next one. If you were to dedicate the rest of your life to one charitable cause, what would you pick? Does it have to be a charitable cause that's out now? Or can I just say anything? No, it can be anything. Okay. So I basically, it would have to be something to do with like young, young vulnerable kids that have been abused or come from neglected homes um, and in poverty and stuff. It would definitely be something like that because I feel like being privileged by having such a good upbringing and background, there's a lot of kids that don't have that. And I've heard a lot of stories from friends and colleagues and stuff that have not had that and have had terrible upbringing. And I think as a child, that's your foundation. So if you don't have that, they're the most vulnerable people that you're supposed to be looked after and protected. And if there's people doing harm to you, it affects you for the rest of your life and you don't have a life. So I would like to help all those children that are going through that and put them in safe environments. So, yeah. Perfect. All right. Last two questions. What's the kindest thing that somebody has ever done for you? It'd probably have to be my brother. Um, so I've got two brothers, a younger one and an older one, but he's not older than me. He's just the older brother. He's a couple of years younger than me. We went about four, four or five years ago, we went to a So Solid concert because my husband was performing there. They'd reunited and everything and they were doing something at the O2. And he's always been a So Solid fan. So he was just not, it was just his brother-in-law being there, but it was just the whole So Solid crew. And he was so looking forward to it. And he came with his girlfriend and I came obviously to see, to support my husband. We were in the crowd and a fight broke out in the crowd and I lost my purse and the I couldn't find it and everything, it was just gone. And I was scared that I'd just got a brand new Mercedes and I was scared that someone would get the key, go out in the car park and just go like, click, click, find the car and drive off of the car. I was so petrified. So what he did was he went outside in like February weather, freezing cold, nearly snowing, and just stood outside the car for the whole concert and let me and his girlfriend continue to watch the concert um, and just stood outside just to make sure no one, no one could come and steal the car, literally. And he really wanted to see it, but he kind of like sacrificed himself to just go outside to make sure no one stole my car. I, I found the key in the end, someone handed That's... it in, so no one would, but I, that was, I thought that was so kind because it was something he really wanted to do and he gave that up to just stand outside in the cold at night, just protecting my car. So, yeah, that was really lovely. That, that's so sick. Oh, that, that's so good. That's, that's such a, what would you even call it, like a proper loving gesture. Unselfish proper, like, to thing give up. to do. And that's how he is all yeah. over. But, yeah, I was like, wow. But, yeah. That's real good. All right. And last one. What's one thing that people don't know about you? Way. There's quite a few. But, um, okay, so I'll tell you <laughs> maybe a funny kind of quirky one that you'd be like what i love dried wheatabix with butter on top 
I, I, you oh, know, what? just wheat a bit. And I get thick <laughs> butter yeah. and I put it on the top and I eat it. Just like that with butter on top. And everyone, that my, my cousins and my husband when he first met me, what kind of madness is that? But it tastes good. Try it. What, how did you even discover that? So probably when we didn't yeah. have money, maybe my mum and dad had butter and they had Weetabix. And they just said, here, here's the breakfast or whatever. I don't know. I can't remember the exact time mm. or when I first discovered it. But it's probably something to do with that. But again, they made it so like, oh, yeah, this is nice. This is good that, that I ate it. But then my brothers don't eat it. So I don't know. But yeah, I love it. Cool. <laughs> cool. Definitely interesting. One, yeah. one to note, Dan. Cool. <laughs> All right. So that's that. That's that. One time oh. voices. Thank you so much for coming to the podcast Thank today. You. Really, really like, really appreciate you coming on today. And you oh. know what? Yeah, just from speaking with you today, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not surprised that you're in that you've achieved what you've achieved in your career so far. Because you come across as someone that's very, very driven, hard, very, very hard working. And you got good energy as well about you. You're probably someone that people really gravitate towards, and I guess that's helped you in your career as well. So thank you so much. Like, really appreciate your time today. Um, And thank you for your time. Yeah, before we wrap up. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Before before we wrap up, you've got any, um, well, a couple of things. Any any closing remarks, any last remarks? And also, where can people find you if they want to find you? Um, Probably the best place to find me is Instagram. I'm not, again, I'm not really on the social media. Um, this is so funny, yeah, but I had a, a, a Facebook and I had a Twitter. And because I hadn't been on it for a while, I tried to log in the other day and they sent me some security questions or something that, and in the end they said, no, you're not, you're trying to impersonate the actress Danielle Waters. And I was like, no, 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 I am, I am Danielle Waters. And both Twitter and Facebook was like, no, stop trying to impersonate her. It's not, basically it's not going to work. And they locked me out of both my Facebook. So they're still open, but I cannot get access and they won't let me have access. I said, I can send you my passport. They don't want to know. So I'm not even on Facebook or Twitter anymore, people. But uh, I might open another account soon, who knows. (laughs) But Instagram, Instagram, um, Danielle Waters 82. I think think that's the the best place to get me if you want to. And what was the other thing? Closing remarks. Uh, Closing remarks. Just keep your head up. As I said before, every day's a new day. Things always look better in the morning. And I see it as God has given you. And when you wake up in the morning, God has given you another chance to do a do-over. So do it better. That's another thing I forgot to tell you about the morning routine. As soon as I open up my eyes, I thank God for another day. That's the first thing I do. Because you never know, do you? When it's your time and God's gifted you another day and that's the most re- remarkable thing ever. Life and breathing is the most remarkable thing ever. Everything else can come secondary. So yeah, just give thanks and work hard. That's it. All right, perfect. That's it. Give thanks and work hard. All wrapped up and nicely. Yes. So thank you once yeah. again, Danielle. We really appreciate your time today. And yeah, that was that. 1,000 Voices. That was Danielle Walters. And we're out. Bye. Okay, my people, that was that. That was Daniel Waters. And once again, thank you for tuning into this podcast. It's very much appreciated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe and leave a comment or review wherever it is listening to this. It really does help with us trying to amplify the voices that we're getting out there. 
and let us know what you thought about this episode any key takeaways what do you think about 1000 voices in general as well any and all feedback is always very much appreciated so feel free to leave a comment or a review wherever it is listening to this next week we've got another very special guest on the podcast and as always that episode is going to drop on a tuesday next week and the youtube video will follow later on in the week so if you'd like to see some previews from the episode follow us on instagram at a thousand voices uk so you can see some clips and previews before that episode comes out but that was that for this week thank you for tuning in people and until next week we're out